And welcome back to another episode of Podcast Quincy's City View with Mayor Tom Koch. I'm Mark Carrier's media director, and we are sitting in the mayor's office right now, as we do every week for this show, or mostly every week, which we have been doing, Mayor. And uh, welcome back to another episode. Good to be here. It is good to be here. This is a great week. This is an exciting week for the city and beyond, actually. We're going to talk today about the news of the day, which is not just here in Quincy, but it's been in the Globe, it's been Associated Press, it's being, it's getting a lot of hits, because this is kind of a national story, but it really germinates from this area. So talk about the new Adams Presidential Center. Absolutely. Um, this is something that's been kicked around for some time, Mark, as you know. We've had a lot of discussions up here in this office, and um, now we've got to that level, that point where we felt it was time to get out of the starting gate, and really, let's move on it. So we kicked around for some time. We've got beautiful assets here in Quincy. You're going to get the Adams Mansion, the old house at Peacefield. You've got the birthplaces, and you certainly have the Crips, and you have a lot of artifacts, and, and you can see a lot of neat stuff, um, but... The story isn't really truly told in, in whole. And it's not just the story of the Adams, it's the story of America. It's time we do that. And we'll talk a little bit about the relevance of the Adamses. But, you know, just to back up a little bit, I remember having a conversation with former Mayor Bill Phelan, who after one of the elections that we we sparred in, I think I, I used that term yesterday, he mentioned, you know, we should go try to get the uh, Adams books back to Quincy. And those books is was really it's John Adams's personal book collection. It wasn't his writings, but his mm. collection of books, about three thousand books, I'm told. And uh, it was left to the inhabitants of Quincy as part of his will. Which, by the way, he wrote. He argued with the authors in every one of his books. Oh yeah, he on the side. Kinds, yeah. yeah, yeah. He had all kinds of markings in the margins and made comments and and so forth. Um, and that was John Adams. He had an opinion about everything. But having said that, you know. We talked a little bit about that. And, yeah, it'd be great to get the books back. And I think we, we certainly have the high moral ground on that issue. Again, they were left to Quincy. They were in the Adams Academy before they moved to the Quincy Public Library. And then, of course, one of the Adams family requested them be placed at the Boston Public Library. So they've been in there for a number of years. Um, and they only opened really to scholars. So, you know, that's that's an issue that we're going to pursue on the side. But it really doesn't have anything to do with the construction uh, hopefully the construction of a new Adams Presidential Center. So first of all, we're looking to uh, really articulate, identify, and come up with the programming, the planning, how the place should be laid out, what how the tor- story should be told. We want a place where people come in, are, you know, to some degree wowed, but really leaving there um, with with a strong feeling of inspiration about the country, about public service, and certainly about the Adams legacies. It's, we don't want a stuffy library. And a lot of... Um, and it's not just a library, not no, just it's a not. museum. In fact, that's it's, why it's, center. It's, that's right. It's very different. I mean, a lot of presidential libraries are the repository of their papers, their notes, their diaries, uh, their collections, and, and usually those are open to scholars, and then they build something around that. Well, we don't have those because those are in different places already, uh, including the Mass Historic Society. We had Catherine Algor out who spoke yesterday. She's president of the Massachusetts Historical Society. Remarkable woman. We were in visiting last week, and she showed us some of the items that they have in their collection. Definitely. Talk talk a little bit about the the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, this this was John Adams' handwritten 
Declaration of Independence and his own paragraphs and his notes and and there was a paragraph in there about slavery and and the the wrong that it is and I'm paraphrasing but you know yeah. in his old English and of course the committee never included that at the time because the Jeffersons the Virginians the, the Washingtons they owned slaves at that time you know and and we all know what a wrong that is but you know it was that time that's what they did and particularly the southern part of our country. So Adams was staunchly opposed. So we actually saw his handwritten paragraph uh, with that terminology. We also saw a number of items. We saw John Quincy Adams, some some of his diary. We saw um, Abigail Adams, something I learned when I was there with, with she had, uh, the Adamses had people that worked for them. They were paid. They weren't slaves. They had people that were work for them. I think technically they probably were called servants, but they were paid, you know, modern day butlers and maids, right? Mm. Evidently, one of them was a, a black American young man. I believe it was a young male who could have been a female. I'm not sure. But at any rate, she wanted him to go to the schoolhouse in Quincy. And the teacher had a problem with that because of the color of the skin. And Abigail wouldn't say no. Abigail pushed it. I mean, these people were so far I, I would their love time. To, I didn't know that. That's yeah, I mean, I, and that was just a visit the other day. We spent an hour there, and the stuff you learn. They've got two hundred fifty thousand pages on manuscripts of of Adams' papers and writings and, and so forth. So yesterday was the announcement. So let's just talk a little bit about that first, and then we'll go on more about. You're the one that told me to talk a little bit about Mass Historic. Now you're dragging me back. <laughs> I, I thought you were finished. I'm sorry. No, no, I'm just no, bringing no, it back no, to no, the. No, I am now. That's fine. <laughs> Oh, so yesterday was the announcement. That's correct. That's, yesterday was the announcement of where we're at and where we're going. So let me let's talk a little bit about where we're at. So there's several pieces to this, right? So we had, we, we're trying to still figure it out, but in order to figure it out in the, in the larger context of what we're trying to do here, which is a, going to be a national asset, we needed to bring some help in. So as a, as a city, we did a request for proposals from uh, firms that are in this world. We received more than 30 from across the country. We had a committee that went through them and vetted them, narrowed it down. They interviewed several, and then the committee recommended to me that we hire these two, not one, but these two. And these two, MGM, um, Marcy Goodwin, they're amazing. She's been involved in 150 different ones across the country, museums, libraries, and including Massachusetts, centers, yeah. including Massachusetts, done stuff at Harvard. Uh, they're more into the structural aspect, the planning stage, and the setup, the setup of the foundation, the board, all that guidance. And then you've got uh, Lucy Creative, which is headed by A.G. Gailey, who uh, they're into that creative world about, okay, what are the displays going to be? What's the layout? What's the experience going to be? What's the story that's going to be told? So, Bringing them together with our team has been just phenomenal. So now there's that piece. So that's in place. We bought through the community preservation. I was very upfront about it at the time. Through the community preservation monies, the parcels of land next to Adams Academy, there were two buildings there. One was a home, funeral home. The other was a, like a dentist and some other offices. And so we bought that and we've raised that. And that's kind of like right now, that's what we're looking at focusing perhaps where it's built. We also have Freedom Park across the tracks, and we have air rights over the tracks. So that's kind of all in play right now. But again, we haven't hired an architect yet because, and we'll do that in, in, in the near future, but what we didn't want to do is have somebody design a building. Then you bring the consultants in, you work with the community and figure out, okay, what's the story going to be? And then to back that story into the building. No, we'd like to do the reverse. We want to get the story down. What's the square footage? What the layout should be? 
what it should look like, what the story is going to be told and the experience that's going to happen. Now you bring the architect in and say, okay, give us a plan on this. So that's the plan. And, and quite frankly, um, Massey Goodwin said, this is brilliant. This is the way it should be done. Too often you get into the arguments with the architects prematurely when you don't know what you're doing with the space yet. Mm. So, and I know, and with respect to architects, you know, it's it's the old saying, function over form. But I'm sure you they know, appreciate, it, the so, architect must appreciate that too. Yeah, no I know question. you're frustrated. And we'll, and we'll go through architect. that process <laughs> to bring in a good one on board to, yeah. to do that. So there's that piece, right? So then the, the real key piece is we're creating the nonprofit foundation. So the Adams Presidential Center Foundation, which would be a board of directors that would oversee really the project, but more importantly, raise the money for the project. Yeah. So we're looking at significant dollars needed for this project. And, and I don't know that number yet. And I, a number of people asked me yesterday, well, what's the estimate? I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, we, the, the prices right now, I just had a mass dot meeting and uh, the prices to, re, we're doing a project on the expressway and the prices were 5 million over the engineer's estimate. And I've seen that on city projects. So mm. I'm not going to guess right now what the number is, right, but right. it'll be substantial. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's put it that way. So the board is really the most important piece right now. General Joe Dunford has agreed to chair the board. Uh, obviously, a Quincy guy, a great student of history, particularly military history, but certainly is is well aware of the contributions of the Adamses to creating this republic. And then Catherine Craven is another incredible uh, intellect. Mm. She's a COO and COA of Babson College. She's the chair of the Board of Education here in Massachusetts, K through 12. And she used to be the chief executive officer run the school building authority, the UMass building authority. She knows how to get things done. Yeah. And uh, she was excellent yesterday. And, and then we've got Congressman Bill Delahunt who served in this. He was the first congressman to serve this district from Quincy since John Quincy Adams. So we call him the political descendant of John <laughs> Quincy Adams. So those three are the charter members, the founding members of the foundation. Which is great because they're not necessarily, this is not, you're thinking much bigger than Quincy. And that's why General Dunford is nationally known, internationally known. Yeah, I mean, this is is much bigger than Quincy. Look, are we going to build a rinky-dink little visitor center or are we going to really do the the job that they deserve and Mm. that the country needs right now? So, So there's that aspect of it. So we'll continue to fill that board with people that bring something to the board. We're not looking for you know, Sally down the street that likes history, but somebody that can bring resources to the board. We need dollars. Uh, we need in-kind services. So either dollars or, or intellect that will contribute. So we're looking at maybe 15 to 21 members mm-hmm. in total on that board. Then from there, there'll be an advisory committee. This is where Sally can come in. Mm. And this is where we want a lot of the experts to, to kind of kick around ideas while the board is out busy raising money and making the bigger decisions, this other committee will be very active with our consultants and our city team in kind of determining the story that should be told. So we'll include like Marion Peake, she's the superintendent of the Adams National Historic Park. We'll include uh, Bob Damon, director of our heritage uh, assets in Quincy. Erin Perkins, assistant superintendent of schools. She's a lover of that period of history. We want the educational tie. Uh, Richard DeCristofaro, the president of Quincy College, would be involved in that. I've asked Secretary Galvin to give us a designee, Congressman Lynch to give us a designee, and then we'll pick a number of people from, from the community, and there'll be several meetings with that group. There's, there's many ways for people to contribute 
uh, in this project. And we and we plan on having some public meetings. Uh, I thought that line from uh, Massey Goodwin was was a good one. In that uh, you know this, we're not building a community center. However, the community will benefit from this, oh, yeah. and it will become a center for the community to use. I thought that was a pretty good line by her, and I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, she was great. So she was great. Yeah, all the speakers did an excellent job yesterday to lay out why this is important. And Secretary Galvin was mm-hmm. there. Uh, Congressman mm-hmm. Lynch was there. And Secretary Galvin is chair of the Mass Historic Commission, mm-hmm. and they oversee the state archives. So they've got, for example, they've got the handwritten document, our Massachusetts Constitution, written by John Adams. That's at the archives. I Which mean, it was the precursor to the That's exactly. United it became States one of the models for our U.S. Constitution. So... It, the story just keeps going. When Catherine was talking about yesterday that the tie of his wording in the Constitution yeah. and how that became part of the, de- the debate, and in the end, the court making a ruling based on one word written by John Adams in the Constitution that forced the state to spend far more money on educating our kids. Cherish. So it, it, goes, it just keeps going and going, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we got a lot of work to do. I do, we don't have all the answers yet either, Mark. There's going to be a relationship between the city and this. But this isn't going to be a city-run institution. Which it shouldn't be. The city would participate in it yeah. going forward. But it, correct, it's, this is not, this is something different. And, you know, we often talk about being part of something that's bigger than ourselves. And this is much bigger than ourselves, much bigger than our community, much bigger than Massachusetts. This will have national and international uh, implications in, in many ways. Think uh, of the international scholars that could study there, that could come here and, and offer whatever kind of expertise or study. Sure. It'd be an amazing place. It, it will, and that's the goal. We we want to be, again, you could go down the old house and see the walking stick that John Adams walked in, the chair that he sat in, and all of those neat things, which is awesome to have. I don't mean to underestimate. No. Or, I mean, Jefferson's all had to be recreated because everything was sold off. He was in debt when he died. So that's a gem to have, no question about it. But that doesn't tell the whole story and it doesn't put it in the relevance of what we're dealing with today. And there's two themes we talked a little bit about yesterday. We didn't get into it in too too much depth, but the reality is that both Adamses, John and John Quincy, the two of them were both anti-slavery and not quietly about it. An abomination. That's exactly right. And uh, they both did their thing in that regard, big time. I mean, John Quincy Adams represented the slaves on the Amistad ship, and he, he went before the Supreme Court mm. and argued for six or seven hours after his two days after his pre- <laughs> and, and won the case. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that wasn't a popular thing to do at that time, particularly with the South. Mm. I mean, John Adams represented, as we know, uh, the British soldiers in the Boston Massacre. That was not a popular political thing to do, but they understood right from wrong. They understood moral values and they understood it should be about law. In Rule order. of law. Rule, Rule of, of law. law. Absolutely. Um, so I, mean, I could go on and on. And, and, of course, Abigail was no slouch. I mean, Abigail was a partner to John. She would chide him from time to time on some of the issues. She used to weigh in on a regular basis. That wasn't typical in those days at all. I mean, you think about the old relationships of man and wife. Uh, it was really backward when you think about it back then. I mean, you know, we live in a day today that it's hard to understand when you look back on those times. The freedoms that we enjoy is is crazy. Yeah, I've, I've I've talked to a lot of the folks over at the national parks too that say we just and we've said this even recently. You can't look at the history through today's lens, and that's right. People really have to understand what that means. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't women's lib back then. Then they did what they had to do, and they survived, and they fought, and they did what they needed to do to to work together as a team. Yeah, 
No, absolutely agreed. And, and the Adams is where an exceptional team in that regard. Part of the of where it's positioned is actually incredible too. Where this would be positioned, right? It's diagonally across from the national parks, from his home. You just said the the chair that he died in, the glasses that he had, this umbrella, his walking cane. They're all right there, a block away. That's exactly right. And 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 then you come this way, the Adams Academy, which he he left the money for to be built for a school for boys on the site of John Hancock's birthplace, which he wanted it there. John Hancock was a friend he had great affection for. You come a little further into the square, and here's the Church of the Presence. He left the money for that church to be built. And, uh, and of course, we have the crypts in the basement of that, it's amazing. In that church. In the past, you, you had mentioned yesterday, and I think they mentioned in the Globe this morning, you had talked about in the absence of an Adams Library in Washington, D.C., or an Adams Memorial Correct. in Washington, D.C. This is really crucial. Yeah, I mean, to to be honest, let's let's put it frank. Adams got screwed historically. <laughs> let's put it frank. It's true. And and I think the guy that really put that on the table was David McCullough. Yep. His book that he did on John Adams. He originally was going to be doing a book on both Adams and Jefferson. He made the decision after some research. Oh no no no! This is going to be on John Adams, and he became a huge John Adams fan and saw what the implications of what that family legacy was about. And then, of course, that led to the Tom Hanks HBO miniseries. So it was kind of a renewal of the Adam story in today's day and age. And so we're grateful to David McCullough for, for his help. And it's taken a long time. I remember back in the days when uh, Mayor Sheets was in, and there was a group that were trying to get together and raise some money to get, a fun, to get there, that there memorial There was, and, and Congress had authorized it to be done somewhere, but then that's just the authorization. Then you got to go out and raise the millions and millions of dollars, and that just never happened. So, yeah, I mean, we think about at that time, again, Adams wrote the Constitution of Massachusetts. That became the model. So he was the key guy in the debates down there. He was the guy, you know, off to the side, hey, go tell him this, you know, or on the floor arguing, debating. He knew how to play. He had a great mind and great strategy, and he knew he needed the South. He needed the Virginians to make this thing happen. I mean, this thing being the revolution. Because New England was, was you know, at the this front end of it at that time. You know, the, the Tea Party and the yeah. Boston Massacre, Lexington Concord. We were at the, 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 the what do they say, the, the, the head of the spear. So it led to all this, the meetings in Philadelphia, the Continental Congress. He's the one that suggested Washington should be the commander-in-chief. John Hancock wasn't happy about that. He wanted to be the commander-in-chief. <laughs> He's the one that suggested Jefferson be the chief writer of the Declaration of Independence. He was well, the he one. he was asked to write it, right? He was on the committee. Him and Ben Franklin edited it. They were involved in it. But the chief writer was Jefferson on that. So you can pick out all those little pieces. And if you take John Adams out of the picture at that time, I don't think there's a revolution. I really don't. It's not to minimize those other giants at the time. But he was the pusher. He really was. And he, and he had that mind, very strategic mind. Well, none of them wanted to get into it either because it was a real Boston problem at the time, right? It was a it real was a Boston, New England problem, uh, no question, number one. Number he was two able was, to articulate no, Most of these guys were fat and happy, by the way. Keep that in mind. The 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were fairly well off. You know, I mean, Washington, Jefferson, they owned thousands of acres of, of farmland. They had slaves. They were well off. So whatever you think of them personally, they put it all on the line sign on that document. If this didn't go well, they all would have been hung. Their, their properties would have been burned. Their families would have been murdered. And that would have been the end of it. And King George would have been laughing all the way to the bank. It's, you got to put your head into the time 
period. As we said, you can't look through today's lens back then. They were all flawed men, and women for that matter at the time. Who's perfect? Two people in the history of the world were perfect that walked this earth. So, uh, you know, I think people got to take a step back and say, whoa, let's, let's understand and learn a little about what went on at this time. This, this was not an easy thing. This, that war was very questionable, and we were up and down. There were a lot of losses before they had some wins. Mm. Uh, how Washington kept together we, we really was a miracle. So people got to understand. If there was no Washington, if there was no Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, or John Adams, if any one of those players were taken out, and like you said, John Adams especially. I, I think I think less so Ben Franklin. I think he was more window dressing. He had some great quotes. He, <laughs> he was a great guy to hang around with, but when you really look at the meat of it, yeah, yeah, it's Adams, Washington, Jefferson. Yeah, well, he was the political Madison. Guy I mean, those yeah. guys, oh, yeah. Monroe, they contributed big time too. I, I certainly don't want to slight anybody, but but the, when it comes Adams to the, was the, the guy in the middle of it. One of the famous paintings, and McCulloch pointed this out. I think it was an unfinished painting yeah. of that time in the hall. Adams is smack in the middle of the painting, and that was McCulloch's. Uh, interpretation of the ad is putting it right in the middle because he was the guy that to make it work. He was the guy in the middle of it all, you know. Well, and all the more reason why this Adams Presidential Center is going to be a great thing for the nation. The other piece, Mark, we talked a little bit about slavery, is the partisanship. Both presidents, the first six presidents, they were the only two not reelected to a second term. And that was because they went against their party on principle. And it was said after John Quincy Adams died, his funeral was the biggest funeral and pageantry that had been seen in this country mm. before the death of Abraham Lincoln. And it was said by one of his political foes, John, Adam, uh, John Quincy Adams did not belong to a political party. He belonged to the American people. He was honest, true to himself, true to his principles, and that's how he voted and that's what cost him his reelection, as it did with his father. And he and they didn't care. They would not trade in their integrity. They wouldn't trade in their integrity and and, uh, and trade in their conscience. Wow. Uh, they were they were incredible individuals. And by the way, the legacy of the family continued for generations. I mean, one of my predecessors, Charles Francis Adams, after he was mayor of Quincy, became Secretary of the Navy under Herbert Hoover. So. Henry Adams, Charles Francis II, and there were a number of them continued to serve in government in ambassador roles, minister roles, so that that story of public service, that citizen responsibility requires all of us to step up and get involved. And if we're all on the sidelines, then we're going to see the decay of this nation rapidly. John Adams, I'm paraphrasing, he said it far more articulately, but basically said at some point, all democracies commit suicide. We can't let that happen in the United States. And I think the creation of this center will help us combat that. What was it that Winston Churchill said about democracy? It's the worst form of government except for all the rest. <laughs> That's the line I was, I forgot what you said. Well, we know what's going to happen. We, uh, we look forward to now in 2025, the 400th anniversary, we're hoping to break ground. Is that the idea? Is that That's the, the idea. Yeah, the 400th anniversary of our settlement. The goal is to be in the ground, break ground, for the Adams Presidential Center, along with a number of other things of we've already talked about. But. That's a good one, though. That's a big one. It so. is a good one. So we, we encourage people to stay tuned. There'll be more announcements along the way. There'll be some public events, public meetings that people can engage in and certainly look forward to uh, the, the public comment period. All right. I think that's good for this episode for the middle of the summer. What do you think, Mayor? We good? I want to keep going. What do you want to talk about? Uh, next time. All right.